Kenny, the Sports Guy podcast. Hello and welcome back to Kennedy Sports Guys podcast. I'm your host, Kenny Severo, and today I have a special guest. I am joined by the CPNNY Sports Network, a podcast network that talks about all things NYC. New York Jets, New York Giants, New York Yankees, New York Knicks, Brooklyn Mets, New York Mets, and the New York Rangers. Please welcome to the show, CPN Sports Network. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Yeah, my pleasure, Kenny. Thank you so much for having me. I definitely appreciate the opportunity. So the first question I have is, how did your sports network got started? Yes. Yeah, so uh, essentially, I had an old podcast and I was talking New York sports and I kind of took a step away from the podcast um, a couple of years ago, just had a lot of things going on, uh, regular life stuff, things like that. And I just got an interest in watching, you know, all of my sports teams, right? Not only uh, obviously the Mets, but the Knicks, the Giants um, and any and every New York sports team. And I got an interest in that. And I figured, why not start a podcast? I had a couple of extra time on my hands and um, a couple extra hours and started editing, started putting some backgrounds together. And, you know, I figured I'd just start the channel. So, um, you know, the CP New York Sports Network at CPNY Sports on YouTube is up and strong. We're almost to 500 subscribers and it's taken off, uh, particularly my, my Mets stuff. And I know we'll be talking about Mets here as well. So uh, definitely uh, excited to get the opportunity to talk to you about that as well. But yeah, it's it's a great platform. And I've enjoyed everybody that I've come across so far in talking New York sports. So it's it's a great environment and a great community. Yeah, so I heard a couple of your uh, episodes and especially during the Mets. And I feel like you have a lot of great content on your YouTube channel as well as your, your, your podcast. And I became a fan of it, actually. So I appreciate next- that. Yeah, thank you so much for checking it out, too. I appreciate the support, Kenny. All right, so let's get into, actually, sports right now. So let's talk about the New York Knicks. The Knicks are currently 27-17, fourth seed in the Eastern Conference. What are your thoughts on the Knicks season so far? Yeah, the Knicks season so far, it, it, it's been off to, you know, we got off to a great start, 27-17. I think um, if you ask any Knicks fan if they would sign up for 27-17 at the beginning of the season, they would definitely tell you, yes, absolutely. Um, this is a franchise that's been going through a lot of hardships, right, especially in the post-Carmelo Anthony era all the way up till 2019 when Julius Randle walked into the door. So we've been slowly and steadily progressing into the organization and the franchise that you see today and that we watch on a daily basis here, especially with a nice little win over the Brooklyn Nets last night. But I still Mm -hmm. think there's work to do. Obviously, uh, post-OG Ananobi trade, we are 10-2. and Um, It's a great trade and a great step in the right direction for a Leon Rose and Tom Thibodeau-led Knicks organization and team. But there's still work to do in terms of getting another premier scorer, uh, presumably for the bench, maybe a backup center, in sort of terms of competing with your Milwaukee Bucks teams, your Boston Celtics teams, and your Sixers teams. But I think right now, the way that the Knicks are trajecting, we are confidently right up there in terms of crossing that potential threshold into being able to consistently compete with those top tier Eastern conference teams. So I like what I see a lot this season. I'm an avid New York Knicks fan, and I can't tell you how refreshing it is to actually see a good Knicks team after all the years of, you know, terrible basketball, mediocre basketball. And I've been a fan since maybe 
the late 90s when they went to those finals all those years ago. And I actually never thought they would actually be this good. I mean, fourth seed in the East, I mean, 27 to 17 records so far. And I'm just shocked that actually really this good. And I would not say that they will make it to the finals now, but I'm dangerously close to saying it actually. <laughs> and I, and I agree with you. Like we are like, we are not a finals contender as the roster currently stands. Exactly. I'll reserve my, and I'll reserve my judgments until the February 8th trade deadline. That's just about two weeks away because there mm-hmm. are pieces that need to sort of walk in those doors to make us contenders this season. But I think with the OG Ananobi trade and how that all went down, right, getting rid of quickly and RJ, which I love their tenure on the Knicks, particularly Emmanuel quickly. And I was kind of wondering how the, the Knicks were going to mitigate the lack of scoring on the bench in his absence. I think that these moves that we have seen right with the OG Ananobi trade and that we are about to see are going to set the Knicks up perfectly for this off season in terms of getting that superstar in the door to go along with Randall Brunson to make us true contenders. I'm not sure if the end all be all goals to win a chip this season, right? I think they can go out there and compete maybe in a seven game series with the Celtics or Sixers. And maybe if things go the right way, sure, maybe we can get there. But I think really the end goal here will be next season after we go through the full workload of this upcoming off season in the summer. I'm going to be honest, I, I wasn't really a big fan of the trade because they gave away two of their uh, best players in Barrett and uh, Quickly. But as time progressed, I just felt like, you know, the trade actually gained in favor of the Knicks now because Anobi is actually a very, very good defender. Honestly, I wasn't really familiar with his work when, while he was in Toronto. And I've been watching him play the last few games. and. He's been absolutely spectacular, and right now I just feel like the Knicks won this trade, and it was actually worth it trading quickly and Barrett away. Yeah, and it and it's something to be said for R.J. Barrett, right? His inconsistencies as a New York Knick. We all know what his ceiling is and what he can be, being the former third overall pick to the New York Knicks when he got drafted. But I just don't think the fit was there in terms of him being able to sort of work off ball and have the best sort of success being that third option behind Brunson and Randall. I think he's best suited mm. with having the ball in his hands a lot more. And that's where OG Ananobi comes in because he's a very good off ball, I guess, sort of offensive player. And like you said, um, he's been known for his defense for quite some time, a former all NBA defender and adding that into rotation and, and Tibbs' system that stresses the importance of defense, right? I think that's something that the Knicks definitely um, got an upgrade in. And also, right, he's a CAA client, Leon Rose, former CAA agent. Um, mm-hmm. That has a lot to do with it as well. I know that OG Ananobi is an impending free agent after the season, but he's not going anywhere. The Knicks and Leon Rose are going to lock him up. And uh, we have our starting small forward for the foreseeable future. Now it's all about who that shooting guard for the foreseeable future is. But Dante DiVincenzo has done a great job in terms of filling in. But oh, he was a Knicks great signing. To, yeah, that was a great signing. And if the Knicks really want to get to where they want to go, they have to find that star shooting guard. A lot of people are talking about DeJunte Murray now. A lot of people have been talking about DeMar DeRozan. Doesn't really matter at this point. There's 
like I said, there's a difference between competing this season versus next season with the way this roster is shaking out. But nonetheless, Dante DiVincenzo has done a phenomenal job in terms of stepping in and providing scoring when, let's face it, the Knicks go cold sometimes. They need a clutch bucket, and Jalen Brunson's down the floor. Dante DiVincenzo is that guy. So speaking of the trade deadline, what do you think what moves the Knicks should make uh, at the trade deadline uh, looming? Yeah, bolster, bolster the second unit. They need a second unit big man, Precious Ochua. Um, he's done. He's held his own. He's a little bit undersized. He's really a true power forward, but he's forced to play the center position now um, because Mitchell Robinson is hurt, quite frankly. And uh, he's 6'8". The wingspan isn't there, but he's serviceable. So I think the Knicks should get a backup center for the second unit, and they also need to get a primary ball handler for the second unit. Maybe a guy like Malcolm Brogdon fits that mold very well. I like Malcolm Brogdon, what he has to provide. He can be the primary ball handler in that second unit, and you can move Deuce McBride, who's been doing phenomenal also for the Knicks in the second unit down the stretch, especially with the three ball, you can move him to shooting guard and he can be sort of an off ball catch and shoot guy, which I know he can successfully be. I don't think um, the Knicks are going to go and upgrade their starting rotation, their starting unit. I think it's going to remain as is. A lot of people probably will be pretty upset at that because a lot of people want to win right now. But like I said, when assessing the Knicks, I think that the end-all, be-all goal is going to be next season where you have this offseason to sort of plug and play who you want to go after in the trade market. Well, I agree. I think they should go over – they should get uh, Malcolm Brogdon from the Portland Trailblazers. He'll be a good fit for the team, actually. So, so the next, next question I have is, what are your predictions for the Knicks this season? Are they going to make it to the uh, conference finals, NBA finals? Yeah, I think their ceiling right now, as is, is a conference finals team. I'm not convinced, even if they went and if they went out and got a DeJunte Murray, I'm not convinced they're better in uh, than the Boston Celtics in a seven-game series. I think if they take that step forward, right, obviously in the 2021 playoffs, they got bounced by Atlanta pretty early. They had Julius Randle had no help surrounding him. He had Reggie Bullock and Alfred Payton. Um, obviously, mm -hmm. last season, Brunson in the door, they made the second round. Uh, lost a pretty tough series to the Miami Heat, who eventually ended up beating the Boston Celtics in the conference finals and going on to the finals to lose to the Nuggets. I think if they take that next step, which I definitely do think they are capable of in terms of getting to that Eastern Conference finals, it's all about the building blocks. So if you make the Eastern Conference finals this season, then you for sure have to start talking about the NBA finals next season. I think we're just going to take it one step at a time as we progress here. So I say Eastern Conference finals, maybe meet up with the Bucks. Or maybe the Celtics, right? Depending on how it plays out, and um, hopefully they hopefully they punch their ticket. But I just can't see that happening this year, objectively. And uh, I like to talk about my teams in an objective manner. I simply just don't think they're well equipped enough uh, yet. And I say that word yet with a very big emphasis because I do think they are getting to that point. I don't think that they are well uh, they are well equipped yet to compete with the Boston Celtics in a seven game series when it comes down to it in playoffs. I have to disagree on that, actually. I just think they need one more key piece. I think they, they eventually will make it to the playoffs, but I think they might get bounced out of the first round. I mean, not the first round, the second round. But next season is where they're going to make it to the Easter Conference Finals. But I feel like they also need another key piece as well next season. And then maybe two years from now, they will make it to the NBA Finals because – this roster right now is a, is 
it's good, but it's not great yet. I mean, they've been playing sure. a lot of defensive uh, assignments. They've been playing a lot of great defense. Uh, the scoring output has been tremendous. I just wish like Randall could be a little bit more consistent at times because sure. there are some games where he he could be off and then he could be on at the same time. And the, that kind of streak doesn't really work in the NBA anymore. Yeah, and I agree with you. Like, I'm a Julius Randle fan, but I have to keep it objective, right? Um, he does take plays off sometimes. He does take games off sometimes. And let's call it for what it is. He looks a lot better on the court when Jalen Brunson's there. And if he's not there, then Julius Randle really isn't going to be capable of being that longevity 1A option that Jalen Brunson has proven to be for this team. And that's why, like you said, they are a piece away. So that's why I say their ceiling, their absolute maximum ceiling would be the Eastern Conference Finals this year. But I do agree that is contingent still on what happens at the trade deadline and if they bolster that second unit. Because right now, as is on January 24th when we're recording this, um, I agree with you. I think a, a second round like last season is probably what we're more, I guess, what, what is more likely for, for this Knicks roster. Hmm. Agree, to, it's, agree to disagree. So let's talk about the New York Mets. Let's just say last season was very, very disappointing as they finished fourth in the National League despite having one of the largest payrolls in the league. What do you think of the Mets last season? The Mets last season were a disappointment, man. I mean, out um, there's nothing more to say. They were well-equipped uh, on paper in terms of the roster at the beginning of the season. I think Edwin Diaz and that injury in the World Baseball Classic was very unfortunate, and that hindered the season from the start. But let's call yep, for what it true. is. The lineup didn't produce. The, the lineup didn't produce. The starting pitching didn't go nearly enough into the ball games as we all expected. Justin Verlander started the uh, the season off on the IL, which which basically just hurt the team from the start. Jose Quintana with that hamstring injury didn't appear in the game until midway through. And everything that could have gone wrong for the Mets in 2023 absolutely went wrong. And it was unfortunate because we had high hopes. We had signed Justin Verlander and... Um, we had about half a season of him before he was inevitably traded back to Houston. So it was an unfortunate season. I'm looking past it. I think that was, I don't say it's a one off because that sort of season definitely has the potential to carry over, especially when a lot of people are pretty mad right now about what they're doing this off season. But I think that this reset in terms of getting the money off the books and the payroll is definitely necessary. Yeah, I, I'm just looking to get over the 2023 uh, New York Mets talk because it was an absolute debacle and it was an embarrassment flat out. Yeah, I agree. I couldn't agree more. I think last season was just a disaster for the New York Mets. I mean, in theory, it was cool of to see them spend all this money, but it just didn't really pan out. And like in baseball, like all baseball, if you throw away a, a lot of money on the team and then the team doesn't really perform, then you will lay an egg on your fans and everybody else because it's just ridiculous that um a team that's over three hundred million dollars in payroll actually produces a subpar season. I get yeah. what Steve Cohen was trying to do, trying to generate a lot of excitement by spending all this money, but in reality he was just uh not it would it just didn't work out for me. And Justin Verlander is gone. Max Scherzer is gone. Although I think we had good pieces for the Mets because when we traded away Scherzer and Verlander, we got a lot of young pieces in return, which I think is going to pan out for the future. 
And I really do like uh, Kodai Singers. Kodai Singer could be the, potentially the ace of the staff ranks. Yeah, and I think he is going to be the ace of the staff when you look at the rotation and the signings this offseason with Sean Manai and Luis Severino. Um, there is no clear-cut number two. If I had to guess who the number two is going to be right now, that would be Jose Quintana, which is a little bit underwhelming, I understand. But I do think Sean Manai and Luis Severino will have bounce-back seasons, and I think that they are set up for success in terms of uh, turning their career around, especially Luis Severino with what he's been able to produce as a Yankee outside of last season. He's been fairly solid, especially in those all-star years back in the 2018-2019 range. I think a lot of people are writing him off, but Kodai Sang is a stud. Love what he was able to do in his rookie season. Looking forward to him carrying that over into 2024. And I do think the Mets are a little bit better position than a lot of Mets fans are giving them credit for. We haven't seen that spending that we've seen in previous off seasons to your point. I think that spending that we saw was Cohen trying to stick true to his word initially when he first bought the team of producing a championship within three to five years. Um, not saying that's not possible still, but it's looking pretty gloomy if that's the aspiration. So I think that what we saw was not reckless spending, although in a way you could kind of say that it was reckless spending in terms of just looking at it from the short term. Now with David Stearns at the helm of the front office, we can finally see a longer term approach. And we've been seeing that this season really is a bridge season. Let's be honest. For 2024, we are looking for payroll to sort of clear the books. Max Scherzer's money will be gone after this year. Uh, Justin Verlander's might have the potential to be gone this year. Uh, James McCann, who's still on the Mets payroll right now as of 2024, his money will clear the books. The Mets are paying in excess of $50 million to three guys that are not going to be on the New York Mets in 2024. That is that's, a recipe for nothing in the offseason. That's very tough for a new president of baseball operations and acting GM and David Stearns to sort of come in here and work with. So I think a lot of people should realize that fact and cut David Stearns a little bit of slack. And I've said it all along on my podcast, on all of my channels. I truly can't grade David Stearns just based off of this offseason alone. I'm going to grade him when the Mets have more flexibility on the payroll and the overall roster, the ability to construct the roster in the 2025 offseason, next offseason. And rushing to judgments and conclusions on David Stearns right now is kind of productive. But at the end of the day, this is the New York Mets fan base and the New York market that we're talking about. Fans get impatient, and I understand that aspect as well. As a, as a fellow New Yorker, like I agree with that sentiment. New Yorkers are very, very impatient, and we yeah. shall see how the Mets will do with this season. So let's talk about Pete Alonso. For some strange reason, I don't know why, NYC sports radio personalities are suggesting him to be traded. I have no idea why. I don't know what they're drinking, but should the Mets actually trade Pete Alonso? No, I don't think it's feasible to trade Pete Alonso. I know we heard the smoke last deadline that Billy Epler and the Mets front office were taking calls on Pete Alonso. And honestly, with the way the season was going, like the Mets are going to take calls on pretty much anybody and everybody, including Pete Alonso, if another team has anything worthwhile to offer him up. But when you take a look at 
who the Mets have under contract for the foreseeable future. You talk about mega contracts to a Francisco Lindor. You have the highest paid closer in baseball, Edwin Diaz. You have Brandon Nimmo getting paid above market value for what he was paid for as a center fielder, now moving over to left field. You have Jeff McNeil on a brand new four-year deal. I think you have three more years of that left. Um, they have a core nucleus, right? And to give up on that by trading Pete Alonso is something that I just can't see and I can't rationalize with. Now, there is something to be said about that. no i can't get behind that either but there is something to be said on the opposite side of the fence for if pete alonzo who's obviously represented by one of the most stubborn agents in all of baseball and scott boris if they oh, can't come to a contract agreement <laughs> yeah if they can't come to a contract agreement then you have to start having some different conversations. I don't know what the numbers are looking at right now. I know that he is definitely, wherever he ends up, whether it's with the Mets or anybody else, is going to be the highest paid first baseman in the league. I know a lot of people like to compare the contracts of Freddie Freeman and Matt Olson. I don't think that's feasible, just given the timeline of when they signed and where they're at in their careers when they signed, right? Freddie Freeman was 32 when he signed. Pete Alonso's 29 right now. That doesn't add up. Pete Alonso's entering the prime of his career. If they can't come to a contract agreement, then I think we have some different conversations. But honestly, I can't see it happening. And if I had to guess, honestly, this is a subjective thought. This is not objective. I have no basis to report around this. But if I had to guess, Pete Alonso is going to be a Met for the foreseeable future. I just can't see a world a rationale behind the Mets trading Pete Alonso, a guy that's going to shatter the Mets all-time home run record, just entering the prime of his career right now. I think he's what 28 home runs away from Mike Piazza or David Wright. And then he's got maybe 20 something more to go to hit Daryl Strawberry there at the top. There's no sense in trading him right now, especially when you have that core nucleus. And him being homegrown and potentially going down as one of the best Mets of all time when it's all said and done, if you can foresee that far when his career is all said and done, I just think this is a perfect storm to come to an agreement on a, on a contract extension for Pete Alonso. I think the Mets would be foolish to trade away Pete Alonso because he is one of the nucleus on this team. I mean, he yep. delivers an offense. He's pretty decent on defense. And – I can't imagine a scenario where P. Alonso gets traded to, I don't know, some team like the Yankees or the Dodgers or somewhere else. He is actually New York sports, and I actually do really believe that. And it's like you said earlier, Scott Boris is actually very, very stubborn. Just ask this offseason where, like, half of his clients right now are not even signed. Snell is not signed. Uh, Montgomery is not signed. Bellinger is a sign because he's asking for an absurd amount of money for the, for the players, even though some of these players don't deserve them. So I feel like Alonso should be a Met for the foreseeable future, but it would not shock me if the Mets trade him maybe four or five years down the line because of Boris, but we shall see. Um, I think that it's a wait and see type of game with the Mets in 2024 mm. heading into this season, right? With the way this roster is shaking out, I think that obviously David Stearns has stressed the importance of competing and being maybe a potential playoff team. And if that happens, it's not going to be in the division. That is definitely the Braves and Phillies right now. It's going to be yeah. in the back in the wild card. If the Mets do falter at the trade deadline, um, coming up in August, you know, if the Mets are in a position where they're out of the race, 
I can see them fielding calls again on Pete Alonso, especially if they get the idea that the negotiations just simply aren't going to work out with him. But at the end of the day, even if that's true, I don't see the Mets trading Pete Alonso at any point in 2024, even if they're out of the race. But the reports will come out. Like I said, if the Mets are out of the playoff race, the reports will come out and they will basically there's going to be a lot of smoke and there's going to be a lot of, well, Pete Alonzo, they're fielding calls on him. And a lot of people are going to be pissed off, but I just can't see them actually pulling the trigger on the trade. It's, it, it's not going to happen. I, if you're a Mets fan, if you're worried about it, I wouldn't be worried about it. But like I said, in any front office, this, the business side of things, they field calls for a reason, just to get a feel for if they, if, if things don't work out, what would be a potential return for a player like Pete Alonso? And that's just standard operating. That's a good question. That's it. Yeah. That's actually a good question. Do teams will actually give up their top prospects for Alonso? But I guess that's a question that could be answered for another day. But last question, what do you think of the Mets this season? Will they make to the playoffs, win the division, wild card? Yeah, I, I think it depends on what they do from now to the rest of the offseason. Honestly, they've been quiet. They've been interested in a lot of people, but no signings really have come to fruition ever since that Sean Mania signing. Um, if I had to guess, they're probably going to get one more reliever than probably call it an offseason. At that juncture, I'll probably say that they're an 82 to 83 win team. Right now, I have them between 80, anywhere between 79 to 81. If they add another reliever, maybe even two, they can get upwards of 83, 84 wins. But is that enough to sneak in the back end of the wild card? Maybe. Um, I'm not going to bank on it because I still think that a lot of things have to break right for the Mets to be a wild card in the playoff team in 2024, given the current roster. But as long as they're competitive, that's what I'm looking for. And that's really how transparent David Stearns has been in his quotes and saying he just wants the Mets to be competitive. And he expects that out of this team, even given the for lack of a better term, silence from the Mets front office this this season in terms of not giving out those huge deals. So I think they can sneak in to answer your question. I think they can sneak into the playoffs in the back end of a wild card spot. But if they don't, will I be shocked? Absolutely not. Yeah, I actually agree with you. I think uh, the Mets are a 84-win baseball team. 85, they, they probably add like a reliever like Juan de Peralta. But I could see them in the playoffs sneak, sneaking into the playoffs like – you look sure. at last season. You see the Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks made it with an 84-win season, and they made it all the way past the World Series. And I feel like with this mess team, they need maybe three more pieces, but I don't think those pieces gonna it's going to happen. It's going to come until 2025. I feel like the mess season this season is kind of like a bridge year between this season and uh, 2025 season. But to answer your question, Basically, I think they will be they will make the playoffs as a wild card team, but I think they'll probably get uh, bounced on the divisional round. But we shall see. I mean, uh, this team is not bad on paper. It's just uh, it's really great. I just feel like with the injuries and like all the trauma drama around it now gone, I feel like with the Mets right now they have a a capable team on the field that I, that, could, that could shock a lot of people. Yeah, and I think that's an important sort of, I guess, term there is capable. They're capable, but they're not a win-now team like you also said, right? Yeah. Um, and, and, and capable, what does that mean? That's an umbrella term for a lot of different things. They can be 
a great team that misses just misses out on the playoffs, according to what everyone's projecting them to be, or they can mm-hmm. be capable enough to actually sneak into the playoffs. But like I said, if they do sneak in, I wouldn't be shocked if they get bounced out of, like you said, the ceiling, maybe a divisional round, but even a wild card series, right? I don't know if they're set up for long-term success. There's question marks in the bullpen. How is Drew Smith going to bounce back? How is Jorge Lopez on a brand new one-year deal with the Mets? Is he going to be the version of Jorge Lopez that we saw in Baltimore? And also offensively, are we going to get a different version of Brett Beatty or Starling Marte and Jeff McNeil? And for the rotation, how is Sean Manaya going to do, right? He posted, I think, a 4-4 plus ERA last season with the Giants. He's got more life on his fastball, but can he make that next stride in his career in terms of proving that he's that guy. And also Luis Severino, probably the biggest wild card of them all. He had a 685 yeah. ERA with the Yankees last season. We know what he's capable of, but is the location and the command going to return for him in order to take that next step? These are all also if he, he could if he could if he could stay healthy. Because while with the Yankees, he was been, he was out a lot. <laughs> sure. Also health. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. So I, I would not be surprised if they make it because that will be postseason can be very unpredictable at times, but we shall see. Finally, the last question is, where can people find you and your podcast? Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity. I am on all platforms, whether it's YouTube, um, X, also known as Twitter and Instagram at CPNY Sports. Um, my brand name is CP's New York Sports Network, but my handle, my at is at CPNY Sports. Like I said, I cover everything, the Knicks, Rangers, even going down to hockey, primarily the New York Mets, but also the New York Giants as well. All New York sports teams, like you said at the beginning of this podcast and this recording, I appreciate the support. Kenny, thank you so much for having me also on your platform as well. Wanna, I want to say thank you to you and that's where everyone can find me. Make sure you follow me and subscribe to the channel. Definitely trying to Hit that 500 subscriber goal soon. Thank you so much for being on the show today, man. I really do appreciate it. So the next, so you can find this episode on YouTube at my YouTube channel, KenSportsGuy.com. You can also find the audio version on all three platforms. So thank you so much for watching and, or hearing and listening. And please be well. Sports Guy Podcast.